from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Not only do we have um, you know, really solid economic backdrop, but the policy environment is supportive right now too, uh, as um, investors sort of unwind those tax increases. That's providing some support for stocks and is why we're and one of the reasons why we're pretty close to all-time highs right here. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan and Jeff here, as always. Jeff, it is the outlook. This is a very, very special time. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened last week, and then we're going to dive into our views on stocks, bonds, maybe a little policy talk, and the economy as well. How excited are you, Jeff? You know, even though I've seen uh, maybe a couple dozen of these, I still get really excited when they uh, when they launch. It's, it's great to hear uh, mostly positive feedback. Yes. <laughs> Usually, always positive feedback when when these things come out. Um, it's a team effort, and uh, yeah, we think it's a good one. No, it is a team effort. It truly takes a village. You and I, and Barry, and some other members of the team, we write it. And then we kind of hand it off to our partners and marketing communications and different other different places inside LPL. And they do what I think is most of the heavy lifting. And and uh, it's so fun because we just released it. I mean, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes ago as a time of recording this on Tuesday. And I've already had multiple advisors reach out to us and say, hey, what about this? Where's this? So it's just really exciting that people are looking at it this early. And um, you know, we're just going to dive into it. So again, this week on the podcast, we're going to talk briefly about Omicron and kind of the Fed pivot. And then we're going to spend the majority of the time taking a look at our 2022 outlook. So Jeff, let's just start because you know we're going to try and keep this at 30 minutes. Um, latest with Omicron, Honestly, hey, markets are bouncing. Had a big bounce on Monday. I was surprised a little bit on Friday. I was like, oh, God, here we go. Going to be a late day sell off on Friday. No one wants to hold over the weekend. That wasn't the case. Some buyers stepped in on Friday. Strength on Monday. Very broad based bounce on Monday. Now, Tuesday morning, famous last words. We're having a pretty good bounce again. I mean, Jeff, it seems like Omicron, um, it caused a lot of volatility. At the same time, maybe it's not quite as fearful as it was on Black Friday. I'm not minimizing it, but what are your thoughts here? Sure. It looks like symptoms are mild thus far. You know, we can't declare a victory yet. We know uh, this this thing could still um, evolve, but um, certainly the market's saying this thing's going to be, you know, more like the, the common cold, you know, mm-hmm. transmissible, but not causing severe uh, illness. And, you know, you take that out of the risk equation and we've got the makings of a pretty strong uh, rally to finish out the year. No, absolutely, which kind of leads us to our next chart, if at least you're watching along on the YouTube channel, our weekly market commentary. We did take a look at will Omicron kind of derail the, the bull market or derail the Santa Claus rally, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, we, we say no. And what we're showing here, at least on the YouTube channel, I'll explain it. Historically, stocks do really well the second half of December. It's that first half of December that can be a little rocky, a little choppy, honestly, negative. It's the second half, kind of the feel-good holidays start to take over. And that's, uh, you know, the, the historically, the Santa Claus rally actually is the last five days of the calendar year. First two, I'm sorry, last five trading days of the year. First two trading days of the following year. It's kind of morphed in this, you know, this whole December theory. But again, it's late in the year. And it kind of works out sort of well, this volatility with Omicron. And now here we are. And don't forget, when you're up more than 20% for the year heading into December, that normally month of December actually does better about 1.7% on average versus your average December of 1.5. And when you have a negative November, like we just did, 
the following month, which is December, if I check my calendar right, is higher like 86% of the time, up up close to 3% on average, right? So it's like when you have a negative November, uh, you know, Santa Claus or the Bulls come to town even a little bit better in December. So that's what we're, those are our quick views on Omicron. We still think a, a potential end of year rally is possible. Jeff, the other thing last week that we're going to spend a couple of minutes on, then we're going to dive into our outlook that I, th- I think honestly might have mattered a little more on Tuesday. Fed Chairman Powell uh, did a pivot. He came off a little bit more hawkish. And I jokingly said it's one of the greatest pivots of all time because he wasn't really that hawkish, even in the pre-prepared remarks that he gave uh, to Congress or the Senate or Washington, whoever he, whoever he was getting grilled by. Um, you know, and it's a pivot. Like some of the great pivots of all time, YouTube started as a dating channel, or as a dating uh, app. Uh, Samsung used to sell boots and Nokia used to sell fish. And now you look at what these companies have turned into. Those are some big pivots. Jeff, tell me a little bit about the pivot, though, from Jerome Powell last week. That seemed to kick off the volatility, in my opinion. Sure. Right when the market got comfortable with you know prospects for the taper, mm-hmm. right, the initial guidance was um, you know $15 billion a month in uh, reduced bond purchases through June of next year. And then, you know, pretty much as soon as that starts, uh, the, uh, you know, the guidance is toward uh, an accelerated taper. Now, we don't know for sure if that's going to happen, but it's likely. And, um, you know, the the market seems to think that uh, bond purchases will be completed by March or April. Mm -hmm. uh, And that could pave the way for earlier rate hikes, which certainly got the market a little bit nervous over the last week. Uh, certainly now it looks like, you know, based on the strong rally the last couple of days, the market's getting more and more comfortable with that. Absolutely. I don't think we're going to spend too much more time on this. We've talked about the Fed, I think every week for, for a while now, what, what uh, Chairperson Powell, Powell does obviously matters. A little bit of a curveball there. But again, when you look at the uncertainty about Omicron, with the Fed pivot, those two things have caused a blast of volatility. Remember, we went 29 days in a row without so much as a 1% gain or loss on the S&P 500. Then Black Friday came along, and it feels like it's about every single day since then. I think there was one day last Friday. Other than last Friday, every day has been at least a 1% gain or 1% loss with some bigger moves sprinkled in there as well. So just volatility is a key thing. But again, markets are likely trying to carve out a bottom here um, and maybe a year-end rally. But Jeff, let's talk a little bit bigger picture now. We are very, very excited here at LPL Research to release Outlook 2022, we called it Passing the Baton. And I'll just kind of lay the groundwork, Jeff, and then let you chime in. You know, you think about this, we're going to talk about the economy, we're going to talk about stocks, we're going to talk about bonds. But one of the key concepts why we called it Passing the Baton, in our opinion, is we know how we got here, right? Monetary policy, fiscal policy have played a big part in this recovery, whether it be with the stock market or the economy. I mean, record earnings are still record earnings. We're gonna talk about that. But to keep this economic cycle of growth going, which is less than two years old, you know, it might not be so much all about monetary policy and fiscal policy. It might be time to pass the baton, take the training wheels off. Jeff, you've used that, you've used that example before, almost with the Fed, right? Not buying so many bonds, maybe taking the training wheels off and letting the economy grow on its own. Maybe it's not such a bad thing. Similar to that, it's going to be very important for this economic cycle of growth to continue and to expand. Monetary 
policy, fiscal policy are still there, but it's going to go on the consumers, right? It's going to go on small businesses. It's going to go on capital expenditures, companies investing in themselves, doing things to help growth down the line to keep this expansion going. We think that's going to be a key concept this year and why we called our outlook passing the baton. So, Jeff, I've talked a lot, it feels like. Um, but, you know, we can just go back and forth here, but let's talk a little bit about the economy. So the economy is going to grow about 5% this year. What do you think about next year? It's going to slow down a little bit, but just how much do you think will slow down on the economic growth front next year? And not not a ton. Um, we still think the economy can grow north of four percent uh, in twenty twenty two. You see our forecasts here uh, for those watching on YouTube: four to four and a half percent is our GDP forecast for the U.S. Uh, next year. You know that is really strong growth. Right. You know clearly when you compare it to you know maybe we'll end up with five and a half this year, uh, you know, clearly a slowdown, but still really strong. So even though, you know, we're not getting the fiscal stimulus, or at least not as much, uh, and certainly monetary policy support will be pulled back, uh, that is still really strong growth above trend and and probably double, you know, what we're used to the past couple of decades. Yeah, we're going to talk about kind of how stocks do historically when the Fed starts hiking rates. So we'll get there. But but, you know, this is about the, the economy. But again, the key concept, the Fed balance sheet, when they when the tapering's all done, is still going to be like nine trillion dollars. OK, they're still keeping rates low. Maybe there's going to be some rate hikes into the future. We'll you know, we'll, we'll worry about that when we get there. But still, rates are still low. Nine trillion dollar balance sheet is still a definite, definite tailwind. Then you lay over the fact of all of what the government's doing, different levers, different spending. And oh, by the way, all those higher taxes that most of us widely expected a year ago, even two months ago. Right, we're not seeing that. I mean, we're we're seeing some higher taxes, but the broad uh, higher taxes across the board simply is not going to happen. And those are some um, potential positives that we did not expect. Again, just this time, just a few months ago. So, Jeff, that's the U.S. We grow five and a half percent. You know, by the way, the, the uh, I was I was butcher what it's called, but the Atlanta Fed, I think it's GDP now forecast is like darn near 10%. I think if you're around uh, in the fourth quarter, do you think we're going to see 10% economic growth, even after that big jobs miss, which honestly, guys, we're not going to talk too much about that jobs miss. It was it was disappointing. Still think higher growth is coming on the jobs front. Do you think we can get 10% GDP in the fourth quarter? Oh, that, that um, indicator tends to run a little hot. So yeah. 10% is probably um, overly optimistic, but, you know, could we see seven or eight? Sure, if if Omicron doesn't impact uh, consumer spending or um, business investment as we finish the year, uh, and that's a big if, but if that happens, then sure, we could see a really big number, uh, and that could get us closer to 6% growth for the year, which would be, you know, really impressive. Uh, Certainly, we've come a long way since the contraction in 2020. (laughs) <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Yeah, remember the third quarter grew at 2.1% GDP, slow down with the Delta variant, some of the supply chain issues. But the fourth quarter is looking pretty strong here. The Omicron uncertainty is still there, but nonetheless, the year is getting close to being over here. So we likely have some pretty solid growth. Um, you know, again, this is okay. So we grow five and a half, six percent this year, 2021. That's like the best year since the early 80s. It's just, you know, yes, 2022 is going to probably slow down, but four, four and a half percent GDP growth next year is still really, really strong. So, Jeff, that's the U.S. Let's talk. Um, let's talk international for a little bit. Then we'll wind it back and finish things with an inflation discussion. What are you seeing internationally on the growth front? 
Yeah, so developed international, it's mainly Europe, but also Japan has struggled with COVID more so than the U.S. And so, you know, like we saw this year, we think we'll see slower growth in those economies in 2022, but still solid growth and certainly well above their trend. Uh, the um, emerging markets picture is a little bit better overall, um, but, you know, we all know that China is struggling with this regulatory crackdown and frankly, the Chinese government has slowed the economy on purpose, right, to right. sort of take some of the froth out. They have this, you know, the Evergrande situation with the property developer balance sheet stresses. And so um, it's going to be tough for emerging markets to grow much faster. So China dependent, of course, uh, but uh, emerging markets, we think, can grow a little bit faster uh, than the U.S. And overall, that ends up putting you, in, we think, around four and a half percent global GDP growth next year. Uh, that's really strong growth just um, you know, a little bit slower than what we're seeing right now. Uh, that absolutely is extremely strong, especially going back, say, 25, 30 years. That's one of the better years we've seen um, over that time frame in terms of global growth. But again, U.S. growth next year, we see you know, four, and a half, four to four and a half percent. Jeff, let's say uh, 2020, and who knows? Let's get the crystal ball out, assume we didn't drop it. I mean, you lo- the trend in growth was about two to two and a half percent there for most of last decade. Then the pandemic happened. Now the big restart has happened. I mean, how soon do you think we'll get back to, say, 2.5% trend growth? Well, that's probably at least a year away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we know, consumer spending is more than two-thirds of GDP. So consumers are in such good shape that it's really hard to imagine a 2% consumer spending type growth rate anytime soon. So you know, could that happen in early 2023? Sure. Uh, but the trajectory is, is probably going to keep us above that two, two and a half percent range for at least the next three, four quarters, you know, as long as COVID doesn't get in the way. Absolutely. I mean, we've said before, the consumer continues to be a star, makes up two thirds of the GDP, the retail sales numbers we've seen. Yes, the jobs number on Friday was somewhat disappointing. We do expect that to be revised higher. Uh, But at the same time, the consumer is quite healthy with literally trillions of dollars in savings, money markets and banking accounts. So there's there's a little cushion there as well. So pretty solid looking economic growth next year. Jeff, inflation has clearly been uh, the word we've talked about every single day on this podcast. It feels like all year uh, inflation likely will come in about four and a half percent this year in 2021. Next year, we think it can start to slow down to three and a half. I'm sorry, 3.7 percent as some of the supply chain issues and some of the other slowdowns with the restart that have been taking place. Um you know, so 3.7%, Jeff, talk to me about inflation. We talk every week about it. We think it's going to calm down. I mean, <laughs> what if we're wrong? What if these supply chains don't slow down and inflation stays high because of all the spending that's going on? Every presentation I make, that question comes up with all of the debt that we have and all the spending that we have. Um, you know, it, talk to me. Walk me off the ledge. Why is inflation going to finally calm down? Yeah, well, we're probably at peak bottleneck right now. So, you know, we've talked a lot about the supply chain disruptions the um, you know material shortages, labor shortages, right? All, all those things are are really, I mean, frankly, pretty bad right now, unfortunately. But if you look at the indicators uh, that are closely tied to those situations, they're actually starting to roll over. You know, including some of the price uh, sub-indexes in the uh, manufacturing surveys. So you're seeing supplier delivery times come down a bit. Uh, you're seeing the the backlogs start to get worked off. 
you know, ships starting to be unloaded at right. the port, uh, the ports in uh, California. So uh, still stressed, but starting to improve. And actually, we saw another good sign in that labor uh, in the labor market uh, with that job support last week. Labor participation is increasing. More people coming back to the workforce. That's a good sign. It's all related. Uh, so we think inflation pressures are starting to abate and that, um, you know, maybe peaking, you know, as we speak, or if not now, within the next month or two. Yeah, no, absolutely. So great, great discussion there, guys. Believe me, we'll be talking about inflation and the bottleneck concerns uh, going forward, I'm sure. But let's move forward now, Jeff, with maybe what honestly for our podcast listeners might be the one that they care about the most, stocks. Um, we call it staying in the zone. Um, we think you know, that this bull market is still alive. Earnings can be strong. Uh, maybe valuations are a little bit of a concern. But Jeff, this is you are the equity strategist. Talk to me a little bit about why the fact that we are likely in a midterm cycle for the economy, which we just talked about the economy there, um, that can be a good sign for a continuation of this bull market next year. Yeah, you know, I, I love this this chart uh, that we're showing. It just stacks all the years by returns um, back to uh, 1960, and and you see it it's heavily leaning toward positive, right? So most years are positive. Um, if you're not near a recession, right? You know, either it's in the rearview mirror or you're not near the next one, and that's our view. Yep. Then the odds are even better that you get a positive year. So, um, you know, we did that math, the average, let's call them mid-cycle years, not near a recession. Obviously, you don't know for sure if we're going to get a recession this year, but it's highly, highly unlikely. Uh, you average all those years together, we call them mid-cycle years, 11.5% gain. So as we look toward next year, that seems to be a reasonable uh, base case expectation uh, for returns. Now, our forecast, which we'll get to in a minute, is a little bit uh, less optimistic than that. You want to build in a little bit of a cushion, and we recognize there are risks. But um, you know, good chance we see uh, a double-digit gain in um, in in 2022 because if you don't have recession, that tends to tends to be what you see. Uh, absolutely, and we've talked on this very podcast uh, a couple times lately, where when you have a 20% gain for the year, that following year actually does extremely well, higher the last nine times, at least for the S&P 500. We don't know if we're going to finish up 20% for the year, but as of the time of recording this, got a pretty nice cushion there with the bounce that we've seen the last couple of days. That's just one data piece. But again, it's the concept that you know stocks tend to sniff out, lead the economy, big rallies in the stock market means the economy is going to be pretty good. Maybe the economy slows down a little bit, but if you have um, continued economic growth with solid earnings, which we're going to talk about earnings very, very soon, um, that can continue to lead the bull market. So all in all, it's still a bull market. I mean, Jeff, we've got, we, you know, we want to try and keep this at 30 minutes. We've got maybe 14, 13, 14 minutes. Um, we're going to talk about what stocks do with the Fed in a second, but how, how should someone invest? I mean, we're talking, okay, stocks go up. Big deal, Jeff. Tell me where someone should invest from a sector breakdown, maybe a cap breakdown, and even uh, globally as well. Sure. Um, I think the answer to that is a little bit different, you know, maybe the first few months of the year versus the, the, the balance of the year, right? Mm -hmm. The economy, when we say mid-cycle, that's just the middle of an economic expansion. You've, you know, kind of repaired the economy after the recession, uh, but you're not quite on, you know, knocking on the door of the next recession. That's mid-cycle. Yep. So um, when you have economic growth, particularly above trend economic growth, stocks tend to rise. When economic growth accelerates, that tends to be good 
for cyclical value. So for now, uh, we favor cyclical value. The um, you know caveat to that is as we transition to mid-cycle economy, which is happening a little faster than we thought. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. It means you're you know the repair job is nearly complete, and we can move on to the next phase. That may happen actually in the next few months, and at that point, you know you might be um, better off kind of balancing out growth value or maybe even leaning a little bit toward growth. Uh, the same thing with cap, you know, we have a little bit of a preference for small and mid relative to large right now as this last stage of the reopening takes place. But uh, again, as we transition more to mid cycle and the economy gets more on stable ground, uh, that may be a better time uh, for, for large caps. So we're watching for that shift. And then lastly, in terms of sectors, you know, cyclical value that points to industrials and financials. Uh, but, um, you know, later in the year, again, when you transition potentially to mid-cycle, you might be better off in areas like technology and healthcare. Mm-hmm. Okay, good stuff. Obviously, we'll be talking about those concepts every single week going forward, but big picture, that's how we see things uh, playing out next year. And Jeff, the other thing about next year, and we kind of hinted at it with the Fed tapering sooner, maybe the Fed's going to have a rate hike sooner. It's a general consensus, at least as of now. Um, you know, one of the and great foresight, by the way, to put uh, this chart and this discussion in the outlook, which you know we talked about several months ago when we started creating this. Um, tell me a little bit, Jeff, how stocks do ahead of that first rate hike? Because if the market senses the first rate hike, what I'm being told on TV is we should all panic and hide under the bed. Is this true? Don't fight the Fed, right? That's one of the you know most famous uh, investment mottos out there. So um, that gets people nervous, understandably, and. Sure, um, we have seen volatility around the shift in Fed rate hike expectations recently. Uh, But when you look back in history uh, at a one-year period leading up to the initial Fed rate hike, stocks tend to do really well. In fact, we're nine for nine. Uh, All nine cycles saw stocks higher, and the average gain was about 15%. So uh, this this basically tells you that the Fed um, is going to hike rates when the economy can handle it, right? When the economy can handle it, you're gonna see earnings growth, tends to be good for stocks. So um, we think that's probably gonna happen, you know, back half of next year. Maybe some of that, you know, 12 month advance has already happened. But, um, you know, this this right here tells you, you know, that uh, maybe that mid cycle chart we just looked at is right. Maybe we'll get a double digit gain next year, uh, even if the Fed, hikes rates at the uh, at the end of 2022. Yeah, very interesting. Um, and let's not forget, at, so this is before, right? After the first rate hike, I, I, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but looking at the last seven cycles, one year later, so whenever that first rate hike is, one year later, S&P up 10.2% on average. The average year gains like 9%. So you actually have stronger performance after the first rate hike, which again, makes sense because the economy is still likely mid-cycle, early cycle, still growing pretty strong with solid earnings. So that that all makes sense. Um, In fact, the last five times, going back to 1988, after the first hike in a cycle, last five times, the the stock market, being the S&P 500, was higher one year later. So just some things, uh, very important things to remember. Jeff, let's wrap this up in a minute or two. What is our S&P 500 earnings target? Earnings growth and then S and P five hundred fair value target. Our earnings forecast for the S and P is two hundred and twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know in the neighborhood of 
six, 7% uh, up year over year. Uh, and then to set our price target for the S&P 500, we're actually using a 2023 number of $235 a share, similar growth rate uh, to get to that number. Uh, that, you know, maybe six, 7% doesn't sound like a lot of earnings growth, but in this environment, it's really impressive because of the challenges that we just mentioned that we're hearing about every day, supply chain disruptions, labor and materials shortages, cost pressures, certainly related to higher inflation, all of that. So we don't think profit margins are gonna expand necessarily, uh, but with our forecast, we're saying that they're probably gonna hold up fairly well and that that economic growth is just gonna translate into revenue growth. And then that revenue growth is just gonna drop pretty much straight to uh, the bottom line. So a pretty optimistic earnings forecast, even though we are way above pre-pandemic levels already. Mm -hmm. So what's our S&P 500 target? Right, so that's the earnings piece. You take a 21 to 21 and a half multiple, price to earnings ratio multiple, apply it to that uh, $235 S&P 500 forecast, and then you get to between 5,000 and 5,100. So that's about um, seven, eight percent from where we are right now. Uh, we'll see if we get a little more <laughs> between now and the end of the year, and then maybe you get another seven, eight percent from there that would. Uh, you know, roughly put us in the middle of that um, fair value target range. Absolutely. So I think the key concept, though, is the economy is still growing. We do not see the likelihood of a recession next year. Earnings should continue to expand, um, likely keeping the bull market intact. I think one of the key numbers, we use a lot of numbers, this is called market signals for a reason. At the start of this year, the general consensus was $165 a share S&P 500 earnings. We're coming in well over $200 a share now. We'll see where the final number comes in. Bottom line is, hey, you know, maybe earnings growth can surprise to the upside once again next year if the economy can hang in there and, again, justifying this bull market. But that's kind of where we see things. Jeff, we've got a couple of minutes left. I don't know, maybe because we're equity guys, we always put bonds last and don't spend quite as much time on bonds. But still, uh, fixed income plays a very, very important part to a, to a well-diversified portfolio. Coming into this year, a year ago when we did this, we said, hey, bonds could be flat to down, is what we said back uh, a year ago. We said stocks will likely gain double digits, maybe a little bit more. Fortunately, bond stocks have even done better than we expected. Bonds indeed have had a very, very rough year uh, with negative returns. Um, for the most part, when you look at most fixed income assets, specifically the Barclays Ag, your average bond fund. Um, Jeff, tell me, so so that, that's a pretty good call from LPL Research. Um, we still think the, bond, uh, the stock bull market keeps going. Tell me a little bit about bonds next year. We do see the 10-year yield, by the way, between 175 and 2%. That's our target on the 10-year. What, what do you think about bonds here? Yeah, another popular question that we get in this environment is, should should I even own bonds at all? True. Right? Why own bonds? And actually, we, we put a section on alternative investments in the outlook this time. We hadn't done that in, I don't think, a number of years. Right. Um, contrarian, you know, bell, contrarian bells ringing. I don't know what it means, but yes, if we did add that for the first time in a long time. Yeah. So, you know, it might make sense uh, to you know put in some alternative investments in place of some fixed income, but we still think it makes sense to own you know, fairly close to um, your target fixed income here, just as a balance. This is the same message uh, that you've heard from us in past outlooks, and it certainly applies uh, today just as much as it did uh, in previous years. So, um, you know, this chart, um, 
just shows the drawdowns for you know stocks versus bonds, and you just see, you know, the stock. I think the biggest drawdown in the stock market in any given month um, over the last thirty years was about twenty eight percent. Bond market was six. Right. So, and then and then the the bond market got its six percent loss back really quickly. Uh, whenever that was, might have been around the taper tantrum. I think it was twenty thirteen. So, um, you know, bonds provide that offset to stock market volatility when that volatility comes. So even though yields are low, we don't expect expect much in terms of returns. It's nice to have uh, that cushion when you do get that volatility in the stock market. Absolutely. So, I mean, to wrap it up, we do think stocks will likely outperform bonds again next year. Is the great bond bull market over? You know, are rates going to continue to go higher for years and years? You know, we, we don't know, but we do think uh, some of the things going with the Fed and an improving economy, inflation expectations uh, trickling up, that 10 year yield will continue to trickle higher uh, going forward, which honestly, we're talking about bonds, but let's not forget if the 10 year yield does go to 2% or so this time by next year, maybe even a little higher. That likely will help financials and banks and some of those groups specifically value and cyclical value, kind of that theme we just talked about. And we've talked to our advisors before about, okay, if you don't want to own bonds, I mean, there are some, you know, yields are low, don't get us wrong, but some banks and financials do pay a little bit of a yield. So that's one way to potentially find some yield in a low yielding world. But at the same time in March, 2020, hey, you know, bonds help you sleep at night, right? I mean, sometimes bonds help you play a little defense to stay in your stock. Stocks are the place to be on for long-term investors. We've said that for forever, and we continue to think that. But again, sometimes bonds help you stay in a position when you have the big swings. I mean, my goodness gracious, um, you know, it's not a recommendation, but look at a stock like DocuSign, right? If you've been in some of these high flyers, and that's all you're in, uh, Docu, DocuSign lost like 40% last Friday, by the way. Um, you know, some of those have pulled way back. If you're in just those, yes, you're not feeling very comfortable right now. But if you have some bond exposure, well-diversified portfolio, uh, maybe a little international, maybe a little cash, you, you can withstand some of those um, pullbacks and bonds to help you do that. All right, Jeff, um, any final comments from you about stocks, bonds, economy, policy, anything in general, and then I will bring us home. Yeah, you know, I, I think we we left out the policy section intentionally because yeah. it's consistent with the handoff. Right, we've we've done a policy section in most of our outlooks. Right, mm -hmm. well, that's what the handoff is. Right, we're we're moving away from policy. However, uh, policy is providing some support now because, and you mentioned it, those tax increases that most of us thought we were going to get, at least in capital gains and personal rates. Right. Mm -hmm. Looks like we're not going to get those. And in fact, some of the corporate tax increases are going to be put off to 2023, it appears. So, you know, not only do we have, um, you know, really solid economic backdrop, but the policy environment is supportive right now, too, uh, as um, investors sort of unwind those tax increases. That's providing some support for stocks and is why we're and one of the reasons why we're pretty close to all time highs right here. Yeah, absolutely. Well said there. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week in the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Please be sure to check out our um, 2022 outlook. You can go to lpl.com 
Uh, scroll down a little bit. It's right there. Also, we're sharing it all over our social media channels as well. Uh, we'd love some feedback. Love to hear what you think of the 2022 outlook. Um, if you agree with it, if you don't, if you like the way it looks, um, there is a live interaction version. We've got a PDF version, which is more standard, but the live interaction version is just really, really cool with some cool imagery um, and, and things that just really make it pop and make it stand out. And honestly, it's something I don't see too many other research departments doing uh, things like this, which brings me to my final Final comments. Thank you to everyone who's put so many hours into this. Like I said, Jeff, myself, Barry, we've got the Lawrence. Lawrence writes the fixed income part. We've got the easy part. You know, Stephanie, I'm give you a little call out. You've spent countless hours doing this. I know a lot of other people have spent countless hours to get this past the finish line, which is a play on words given the past the baton, the finish line. Uh, but thank you to so many people who've got this through. And with all that, everyone, we will be back. Everyone have a great week. Holiday season is right around the corner here. We're getting uh, near the end of the year. Um, Jeff and I will be back next week, though, for the latest edition of the LPL Market Skills Podcast. We will see you then. Thank you. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.